Okay, hello everybody. Hello and welcome to Conversations in Music with Daz and Dave. Uh, we're available to listen to on Spotify, iTunes and Sound, SoundCloud. And we aim to bring you music, music chat and a bit of general chat on a regular basis. Um, drop us a message if you want to on our Daz and Dave Facebook page. When you're searching for it, it's Daz with two Zs. And let us know what you think. Um, today we're lucky enough to have an amazing author with us, Stanny Van Wymish. Um, we're really looking forward to speaking to him very, very shortly. Uh, over to David. Hi, David. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thank you very much, Darren. I'm doing very well. Um, do you know what today is? Oh, tell me. Tell me. Well, some might say it's March the 74th. Oh, really? <laughs> but even more of a coincidence, it, or it would have been Eurovision Song Contest Day today. Oh, would it indeed? So if we were clever, it'd be really good to have someone who's got a connection with the Eurovision on as a guest, wouldn't it? Oh, do you know what? What a great idea that is, David. Do you think we'll ever manage that? Let's see. Let's get on with the show, and we're going to welcome Stanny. Uh, Stanny, want to welcome you to to our podcast. So, Stanny's here, author of two books about ABBA. We're going to discuss those in a little bit. But first of all, we just wanted to have a little bit of background about who you are. Um, and I suppose the, the question I asked myself, we met 30 years ago, so the, the first yes. time. So And that was in France. And uh, we, we bumped into each other again last year in, in London at my brother's place, which was brilliant. Um, but then I was just thinking to myself, well, how would you describe yourself? Are you an author, uh, a super fan, a curator? I've seen you mixing with the stars, so you're an influencer. So, what, how would you describe yourself? Okay. Well, I guess I would like to say I'm all of these at the same time. Although I'm not a curator, I'm not. Um, but on the other hand, I played an active role as a consultant for the official ABBA exhibition, Super Troopers. Um, that's an exhibition that's uh, that's on December 2019. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, we'll come on to hear a bit more about all that shortly, I'm sure. And before we do that, can you just tell us a little bit about the kind of music that you listened to as a child and as you grew up and what are your inspirations? Was it always ABBA? Uh, well, at the age of, at the age of eight, uh, I discovered pop music mainly by listening to the radio. And soon I became a charts addict. Okay. I also remember lying in my bed at night listening to Dutch radio Hilversum Tree. <laughs> Because that's where it really happened, and uh, they played a lot of pop music on that station, and uh, so the Netherlands were very, very important to me. Um, they were way ahead with um, their programs. There was a lot of pop music in their programs, so yes, that was for me very important. And is there a, a split then? So I guess culturally within Belgium, the, 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 the different populations, part of the population, are influenced by Dutch programs and, and maybe the French speaking by French television and, and French radio, is that the way it works or are there some who just rely uniquely on the Belgian stuff? Well, um, I think it's uh, it's different now than it used to be in the 70s. I think in the 70s we listened to all kinds of music and there was a mixture of Anglo-Saxon music, French music, Italian music and now it's much more separated. I don't think now we know what's really happening in the other part of uh, our country. 
and that includes the, the music. I don't know who is popular right now in um, the French-speaking part of Belgium, which is a pity, but it was different. Um, that's how I became familiar with artists such as Charles Navour, Gilbert Bicot, Stone and Chardin, Sheila. These are artists that I, yeah, that I got to know thanks to my parents. And I remembered they had a summer cottage in the western part of Flanders. And yeah, I remember those carefree days and them playing the latest hits from, uh, yeah, mainly from France. And I remember that they had a, an EP by Brigitte Bardot that showed off her naked body, partially hidden behind brown wrapping paper. <laughs> that was something that was uh, that stuck in my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. And they had, they had a turntable that had a holder for a whole stack of vinyl singles. And when one song was finished, the next record would drop to be played. I thought that was really magical. Wow, excellent. So that was your parents, I think you said, that inspired that. Do you find any of your musical tastes were inspired by friends or siblings or anything like that? Well, um, as, as I told you, it's yeah, mainly on my own that I discovered pop music by, by listening to, to the radio. And of course, I bought all the, the recent hits uh, when I went shopping with my mother. When we went to the supermarket, I always asked her for some some recent uh, vinyl singles that were hits at the time and I have a brother and we both were collecting and swapping singles so yeah it was fun <laughs> brilliant but when did the other connection start do you remember when that was particularly well i can't say i was born in Abafan because i was born in 1965 but as soon as i had seen them on the made in sweden tv special that, that was on Belgian television, by the way. That was one year after they won Eurovision. I was really hooked for life. Really, really. I thought the melodies were fantastic. Their sound was unique. And yeah, let's not forget the two girls look amazing. <laughs> and, and yet, Frida, they were wearing those world famous blue and yellow cat outfits. Mm. And they were rocking it out during so long. And um, yeah. It gave me kind of electric buzz in front of the television sets. Well, brilliant. Well, and talking about those uh, famous outfits, this is what their designer, Uwe Sandström, told me about their origins. The inspiration to that I got when I was going to make this show called Made in Sweden. That was exactly right after Waterloo, and Stikan Andersen called me and said, Ove, we're making a show called Made in Sweden, and it must be typically Swedish and Swedish, but no folkloristics, patterns and things like that. And I thought to myself, my God, what am I going to do with Swedish colors? Yes, colors, that's true. Swedish colors, that's true. That's what we're going to do with the blue and yellow. So I met with Frida and Agneta, and I said to Frida, what do you want to have in yellow? Sometimes I feel like a tiger. You mean tiger? I said, yes. That's also one of the lyrics in one of the songs. And I said, well, that's great. I said, I saw a Singaporean lion, the one guarding the entrance of the harbor of Singapore. And I also saw these Chinese lion dogs performing with acrobats at circus. 
combination of that with a tiger and just make it a fantasy animal. That's great. And then, of course, Agneta said, but what am I going to have on? What am I going to put on? By that time, I had a Burmese cat called Kissen. Uh, really, it was called Ejaga the Emperor, but that was a too long name. And um, he just looked like a brown panther. So I said, instead of having a, a brown panther, we could have him at the pink panther. We could have him as a blue panther. So he was sitting as a role model when we make a drawing of him. And that's the way how the two cats come to be. So thank you for that, that clip. Um, clearly, he was very won over with um, how he could play with colors and, and use visuals and the various descriptions. Um, where did you get to meet him? In his studio in Stockholm. So I was his private guest. Yes, it was rather unique. Yeah, absolutely. And um, has fantastic apartment with wooden carved walls. Really very special. He's a real artist and he's a, a special person. He's also a zoologist. He's a teacher. He's so many things. He's really exceptional. So Abba always worked with the best people and he's one good example. And then what about other artists from the 70s? Well, if you ask me about other artists from the 70s, I was also a big fan of David Bowie, Queen, The Police and Blondie. And then in the 1980s, my favorite artists were, I guess, U2, Paul Young, Kim Wilde, Duran Duran and Spandau Ballet. So you see, I expanded my musical taste. <laughs> Certainly did. <laughs> but uh, I must say, I never, never, never dismissed ABBA. And that at school, for example, I would continue praising their music, even when it wasn't cool anymore to do so. <laughs> yes, you know, especially the rock critics, they could be very harsh towards ABBA in those days. Well, luckily, they got a lot of support from their peers. And for my book, We All Love ABBA, I interviewed a rock star, Susie Quattro, and this is what she thinks on the subject. Whatever pop group you're talking about. Yes. Pop. Rock critics like to go, mm -hmm, we're not pop, you know, uh, but at the end uh. of the day, you get one of these rock critics in a club and the Abba song comes out, he'll be singing like the rest of us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's all bullshit. Yeah. And my dad always said there's only two kinds of music, good and bad. Yeah. Pop-wise, can't be better. No. And I think, yeah, they did get a hard time, but who cares? Of course. But it's it's amazing because when you see an Abba review now in Q magazine, for example, they got four or five stars. Because and... it's, it's, it's time. Now they can look back at the pop and say, hey, you know what? That yeah. was good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like with the, the Motown hits. It, it, it's the test of time. Yeah, the test of time. All right. Excellent. Thanks, Danny. Um, always good to hear Susie, and I think she played an important part for me growing up. She was uh, another one of those who was, uh, she was different from a lot of her peers. So to hear her standing up, she was very individualistic, to hear her standing up for ABBA, uh, that's great. And, and she always had her own mind. She never sounded like she was the the corporate uh, musician. She always wanted to go her, her own way, do her own thing. She, um, she, she's a real artist. Uh, and um, as you say, she spoke her mind and she was very influential. She was in fact first female rocker and she influenced people like Joan Jett and the Runaways. But you know, 
if you talk about criticizing ABBA, um, of course they were also criticized for their flamboyant costumes. We talked about um, we talked about Sandstrom, the fantastic artist. But of course, yeah, the, the glamour rock days and it was all a bit over the top. But many people liked it, and so did I. And so did Pink Star Plastic Bertrand, who you will know of Saplain Pour Moi fame. Yeah. As he explained to me in the same book, we all love ABBA. It was kitsch and I loved it. Of course, this was the punk era and just to annoy the so-called serious rock critics who spat on them, I declared my love for the group openly. I adore them so much. I've always been a huge ABBA fan, right from the start. The songs were extremely well produced, an absolutely remarkable work, so meticulous. For these reasons, I'm convinced the songs will still be there in 30 or 60 years time. Super, he's clearly an extremely big ABBA fan. <laughs> yes. I just wonder, when you said about they were criticised for the flamboyant costumes, just going back to that, why why were they criticised? Was it just because it was unusual at the time? Um, I think it was because, in one way, they were like flamboyant and, and glamour-rocky, but at the same time, they came from Sweden, so their look wasn't in the same vein as real rock artists. And I think people thought that was a bit strange. Mm. Um, it was a bit weird. What are these sweets wearing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a similar reaction to Bowie, I guess, when Bowie was wearing his flamboyant costumes. Yes, well, he had the advantage that he was playing rock music. Mm. And about were, of course, pop and um, I also think they were criticized because they had um, a more gentle image. They were two couples. I think um, for, for some people, if you want to identify with an artist when you're young, maybe you will choose someone who is a bit rougher, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another aspect, I think. Yeah. And so, just sort of winding the clock forwards uh, to, to nowadays, um, sort of artists you listen to these days, and it's a given that there's ABBA in there now and again. Well, I always uh, had a preference for the great singers of our times. So I love Elena Gerald, Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley, Bill Clark, Dusty Springfield, Kitty All those artists I really, really love. And of the contemporary artists, I love Billie Eilish. Adele and Sam Smith. If I have to choose three, these are my choices. Brilliant. Yeah. Just, just a quick one on Petula Clark. Um, you know where my brother lives in Clapham? Yeah. And um, so by Clapham South Tube Station, yes. there's a there's a Tesco's Tro store there. Um, but that's part of what used to be a hospital. Um, it was a women's hospital. And, mm -hmm. it's, and it's where I was born. And in the bed next to me, or rather in the bed next to my mother, was Petula Clark. That's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> wow. I've got a small story on Kiki D as well. Really? Last year, Kiki D played a very, very small venue about 10 miles away from me, up near Exeter. And I took my mum to go and see her, and it was a very small village hall. 
about 100 people, something like that. But one of the best concerts I've seen for a long time. Fantastic, yes. Yeah. Have you, have you seen her live as well? Yes, also quite recently, uh, at the end of last year, I saw her performing with the SAS band and um, she was really, really very good, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Don't Go Breaking My Heart is one of my all-time favorite songs and also Amoureuse. Amoureuse. I really yeah. love that song. Yeah, that's really nice. Yes. She has a really a white soul voice. I really love her. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yes, Starry, that's brilliant. So, I think what we should do now is go on to the kind of genesis of your ABBA books, really. So, what led you to writing both the books? Well, the book Let's Talk About ABBA started out as a continuation of several articles I had written as a freelancer for the Belgian TV magazine Primo, for newspapers, for a website dedicated to musical, and also for ABBA Intermezzo. That's a great magazine from the German ABBA fan club. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I still write for the official ABBA magazine these days, and they are based in Holland. Okay. Now what happened was that the project evolved to the point where I I found that I could reconstruct Abbas' professional career through the right choice of interviews. So my book gives you a closer look at the Abba phenomenon as seen through the eyes of their inner circle, the people who really knew them both professionally and privately. The book is about how the combination of four true talents with different backgrounds, Frida is from the jazz, Agneta from Schlager and pop, Bjorn from folk, and Benny from pop rock, and they melted together to form a unique pop band. And our first interview in the book is with Little Gerhard. Little Gerhard is a Swedish rock king and is also the man who discovered Anja Feldskog. I think that he's an important in Swedish music world. He had hits from the uh, mid-50s to the mid-60s, so he's a, an icon in the Swedish world. For him to then find someone, Anjeta, uh, that must be a great break to have as a musician. Absolutely, and he was also the, producers for, the producer for her first uh, two albums. So he was really important, yes, absolutely. Excellent. Uh, there are several in- interviews in the book, of course, but there's also an interview in the book with... Hansi Schwartz, who is a dance member of Bjorn's folk band, the Hutinani Singers, and with the lead singer of the Hep Stars, that was Benny's first band, and with Lenny Norman, I talked about Frida's early years, when she joined him in his father's Boogie Woogie and Jazz Band, the Charlie Norman's band, very famous in Sweden. And that was at the end of the 60s. As we all know, Frida would leave her jazz roots for a career in pop with ABBA. And this is what Lenny had to say about this musical transition. Of course, it was perfect because, uh, I mean, she was she was a good singer. Uh, and and I, I couldn't, in my wildest imagination, believe at that time that she would be a great uh, pop singer. But... It, as it turned out, she that was her. That was she. Well, that was the right thing for her. Yeah. Because 
uh, even if she was very good at what she did with us and in that field, uh, it it never took off, you know, it never happened anything with her singles or, you know, her records or anything. That, that's great. Uh, listening to someone who's obviously involved in the music world the, the way that he was and to get get the insight and he obviously saw her grow from he said she transited from her jazz to this new world then i think did he play with with abba no he didn't play with abba no no he was uh, important for her past but he continued in in, in more cabaret style uh, of music completely different from what uh, what frida did with abba of course but I really think that the mass appeal of ABBA is the result of the joint forces of a fantastic team around them. And they counted the most professional people in each domain and in its ranks, including the fantastic sound engineer, Michael Dietretto, who was really very important. And for example, the one who, um, yes, made sure that we heard the layers over layers and over layers um, of the vocals, which made the ABBA sound so special. And if you also many musicians who worked with ABBA, people such as guitarist Lester Wellander and bass player Mike Watson. And what is interesting is that the atmosphere in the studio apparently was always pleasant. And I propose that we listen to a nice comment from ABBA's other main guitarist, Jan Schaffer, who worked with Abba from the very start. You mean, when you come to the studio, to work with music and musicians and artists, it's very important that you have sort of feeling in the studio. I mean, you can compare it when Ima Bergman makes a movie, he makes all the actors feel very comfortable, feel very relaxed and the same feeling was with ABBA, you know, it's like, uh, let's do this together. It's not, I will, will decide everything, you will do, 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 do this. It's a moral feeling that we, we do this as good as we can together. That feeling, I think, is very important. And we had a, when, when we, we got into time after a couple of hours, we took a break and listened to Kalisander or Charles the Transmitter in Hollywood. A comedian, Swedish comedian. And we had a laugh um, for a while and then it could go on. So it, it's very relaxed. very, And then you're more, also more relaxed when you play. You do much better work. You, you're not uh, ten, tense when you. You know, you know how to play right. Very relaxed music and, and good feeling. Mm -hmm. And if you have that feeling when you record, the music will sound that way as well. So does does Jana Shepard, does, does he still work with them today on the solo projects that they've started doing? Well, he, he has his own projects. He's still uh, active as a musician. He doesn't play with Abba anymore, but he's still very popular in uh, in Sweden. He's in fact maybe the most famous guitarist in uh, in Sweden. So he has a lot of solo performances, and um, he's really 
um, very high regarded. He's he's really yeah one one of the the big stars in Sweden. Yes, an amazing experience for me was that the layout of the book was done in collaboration with Abbas art director Rune Söderqvist, the famous Abba logo that he was my artistic advisor for this uh, first book and uh, I got on really well with him he's a very nice guy and I used to fly to Sweden to show him the progress of my work and uh, yes he has been very influential on the end result on the look of the book when I went to Sweden with the last version of the book he told me I'm so proud of you and that's something uh, of course that I will cherish forever and it was also his last major project before he died in 2014. I also miss him. I used to telephone him and we had some great chats over the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. It was important for the first book, absolutely. Now, in my book, I have also an exclusive interview with Bjorn, so <laughs> I have very happy with that, of course. And um, I thought, well, let's bring one of these uh, clips to you. And here you hear Bjorn talk about the different periods of Abba's career. I asked him if he had a preference for a specific Abba era. I asked him this question at the opening of the Abba Museum in 2013. So now we can hear what Bjorn says about Abbas, different creative periods. What was for you the most interesting period from a creative perspective? From all the 10 years? Mm. Well, as we always tried to be progressive, try to take a, a, another step forward, it was, I, I would say, equally interesting every, every album. Um, there is not one period that I find more interesting than another. Um, and that's why in 82 we decided to take a break, because we felt we didn't have that urge, that energy at that point uh, to pursue the next album. And, and so we said to ourselves, let's do something else for a while and then come back together. That's great. So to, to hear that, I think that was quite a that was a diplomatic answer to say you like all of the periods, but then they did evolve. They did change quite a lot from the early days when they started in was it seventy three, seventy two, all the way through. So that was that was great to hear that. Yes, and I, I think it's uh, it's not a diplomatic answer. I think it's a truth. You really hear um, the progress in in the music if you if you take the records and you play them one after the other. You will you will hear. Well, the Quick confession here is I, I used to say that the first album I ever bought was Tubular Bells, but the truth is um, it was two cassettes I bought and one of them was ABBA in 1974. After they... <laughs> well, great choice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. David, you do keep that quiet. Why do I... you keep that quiet? Yes, I, I wasn't quiet at school about it. No. I proclaimed my love for Abba. <laughs> you did more than that, clearly. I'll be telling everybody, David, it's fine. We move on to the second book. Yes, my second book. Yeah, my second book is called We All Love Abba, 
you see, David, it's also about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all have Abba. And in that book, I turned the spotlight on how musicians and other creative heads have been inspired by Abba. And since I got my own column about famous Abba fans in the Abba Fan Club magazine, I was encouraged to write this second one. And I was also looking for new interesting people, and then I've interviewed people as diverse as Brian May, Glenn Matlock, Andy Bell from Erasure, Pete Waterman from Stock 8 Killer Waterman, and they all illustrate that ABBA and their music have left an incredible fingerprint on the output of a wide range of firmly respected artists. Here you can hear Pete Waterman praising the quality of ABBA's recordings. The one thing about you know ABBA is that their voices were pure. I mean, they recorded. I mean, people um, people don't give ABBA the credit for the quality of their recordings. I mean, their recordings were mm -hmm. exceptional. I mm -hmm. mean, exceptional. You, you you know you can. Oh yeah, I know. Blimey, I've analysed them inside out, upside yeah. down, backwards. They are just awesome, uh -huh. to the point of almost over the top at points. You know, mm -hmm. almost so over the top you could almost not believe that a pop record was ever, ever conceived in such a way. Yeah. And it's like, I guess that you look at a Salvador Dali painting, and because it's just all scribbles and dribs and drops. You think, well, that's easy, but actually it's not. And that's the truth about pop music. I'll tell you what I like about that one. Um, so it's good to hear his voice. He, he likes he likes to tell people what he thinks. He likes people, I think, uh, to know how good he is. But to hear him revering and talking about ABBA in that way, you know, that is that is fantastic because there's, um, there's clearly such love, joy, that he has about their their sound, the production quality. That is great to hear from the man. Absolutely, and I really am very proud of that interview. It's, it's the first interview in the book, and um, he has really interesting stuff to tell about everything about. Absolutely, and of course, his own uh, music. For example, Steps is his version of Abba. In fact. Steps is really right. his interpretation of uh, what ABBA is. They, they recorded an ABBA song, didn't they? Yes, they also recorded an ABBA song and they also recorded an ABBA tribute. And Pete Waterman was also behind that. They have recorded Thank ABBA for the music. Yeah. And then um, later, Steps have also recorded Dancing Queen. Right. And some other Bjorn and Benny tracks as well. Yeah. So, as you probably know, from 1978 onwards, ABBA had their own state-of-the-art recording studio in Stockholm, okay. the world-famous Polar Studios. And artists such as Genesis, Led Zeppelin, Roxy Music, Bert Baccarat, the Ramones, they have all recorded there. And there was also a Belgian artist, a pop crooner called Embracing Frankie, who recorded at the Polar Studios. Now, Embracing Frankie was a big ABBA fan, 
tried to use as many instruments that were used on the ABBA records for the recording of his own song, Would You Be My Darling? Yes, and at the beginning of the song, you can clearly hear Benny Anderson's grand piano that was also used, for example, on The Winner Takes It All. So I think it's interesting to listen to this song. It's a beautiful song. Could you be my darling? Cause the touch of my hand is recognized your skin. Could you be my darling? Cause it's as if in your eyes we meet again. This feels like the last time I will crush. So my darling, don't you rush. We will make this last for more. Than one life Could you be my darling Could you be my darling Do you offer me this diamond This precious love and all the things you want You showed me this garden in which deep down I know there's a flower planted for me And I know to some it will sound silly But to be is to make someone happy You know it feels so right to be with you To linger longer, feel with me last for more than one life could you be my darling could you be my darling making love goes down like a drug
nice song. Uh, is it possible? Can anyone purchase that at all? Well, yes, you, you can of course listen to the song on um, on Spotify. But good to know is that there is a CD single with this special recording that comes free with the book We All of Abba. So it's really a bonus with the book. Oh wow! People need to go out and buy the book, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And then, yeah, but there's so many people that I interviewed, and and it's so amazing to hear their love um, for Abba and I think some of them are for for this podcast. Um, uh, yes, why not pick out Giorgio Moroder, who's also a big fan, and uh, here is a snippet from that interview. What do you think is uh, the greatest merit of Abba's music? First of all, I always liked uh, the first song and the, and the last one. Like I, I loved the, when they won uh, Waterloo for for the Eurovision song. Uh, it, uh, it, it's 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 great. They have a great great vocal uh, uh, harmony, all that stuff. Uh, the songs are all very commercial, very, very catchy. You hear it a few times and, and you know it. So, so all in all, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's probably one of the best, uh, best groups in, in the world. Actually, they have so many. It's, 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 it's quite astonishing. Well, thank you for that. I think everyone looks up to Giorgio Moroder for his position in the pop world and the influence he's had on it. Did you also know that uh, ABBA is the most covered band in the world? No. Uh, did you? <laughs> well, and the act that started this was um, Bjorn again. They were like, oh yeah, a parody act, also, also very popular in, uh, in Britain, still I think. And um, here's an audio clip where you hear Rod Steven, who, who in fact launched Bjorn again. My name is Rod Stephen, and I created the Bjorn Again Show in Melbourne in 1988. And it was designed to be a light-hearted, satirical parody of ABBA, but rocking the music up. I still do Bjorn Again shows for one reason only. I, I love it. I love playing these songs live. They're fantastic songs to play. Okay, and ABBA, there's some um, unlikely fans of ABBA as well, which you're going to tell us about next. Is that right? Yes, Rob also revealed that Kurt Cobain and the other Nirvana band members were fans of ABBA and Bjorn Again. So have a listen. Uh, Nirvana loved Bjorn Again. Kurt Cobain loved ABBA's music, but he also loved Bjorn Again. He was uh, a fan of uh, Bjorn Again. Bjorn Again played at the Reading Festival at his express request. There was a bit of time to discuss uh, Bjorn again covering the version of Smells Like Teen Spirit. He was totally behind that and showed his support for this by joining his bandmates, Chris Novotelic and Dave Grohl, side of stage at the Reading Festival to cheer us on. Kurt Cobain, I can't believe that. Yeah, as, as a Nirvana fan myself, I, that's the last thing I would have expected. But... No, 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 no. I even saw Kurt Cobain do an interview with a Bjorn Again t-shirt. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time of the release of Abba Gold in 1992, Bjorn Again surely were instrument for the Abba revival. Yeah. And then of course there is someone else, there is Judy Kramer, the producer, 
a creative head behind the Mamma Mia musical and uh, both movies. We should really thank her. We should really thank her because she is really responsible for the biggest ABBA revival and the discovery of ABBA by new generations. So you hear Judy Kramer. My life was about music. You know, I was following a path of musical theatre and then they started working on Chester Musical Theatre. And then I just saw how their songs were mm -hmm. kind of perfect musical theatre. I, I started looking at them as perfect musical theatre rather than perfect pop songs. Okay, so that's, I was just saying actually, Stanley, I was going to mention Mamma Mia! The Musical, uh, which we've just heard about. I actually went to see it over here in London's West End, and I've got a friend of mine that actually starred in it. And it was fantastic to see her, and fantastic to see such a good musical. Obviously based wow. on her. I'm just wondering whether you've had a chance to see the musical and what you think of it. Oh, I've seen it many, many times. <laughs> yeah, I right. love it. Yes, I really love it. Um, I think it brings, um, yeah, it brings Mama, it brings Abba, in fact. Not only Mamma Mia, but it brings um, the whole um, ABBA energy to a new audience. So I think it's fantastic. Yes, and I also love the movies. Yeah, my 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 wife and my daughter especially are big <laughs> the movies. <laughs> Very but good. It's also for men. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, of course. <laughs> but I, I even I even prefer the, the second one. I must say with. Um, with the introduction of Cher, I thought that was really amazing. Yeah, big star to get involved with it as well. Yes. So, yes, I, I think it's um, it's a nice way of uh, keeping the ABBA flame alive. And um, I'm really very grateful to Judy for that. And actually, did you know that it was the way that takes it all that was for her the inspiration to Mamma Mia? Yes. And therefore, it's the most important ABBA song for her. And maybe we can listen to what she told me about this. I would say dancing is one of the best songs, most brilliant song ever. But I, I would also say Winner Takes It All is a ballad that musically and lyrically takes you on an incredible journey. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's that's your favorite one. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, and it was my inspiration for for Mamma Mia. I mean, Winner Takes It All was a song that I felt was for an actress to sing on stage at the end of a show, but I didn't know what that show was. Uh -huh. And that and that, and I knew that those lyrics were a roller coaster of emotions about a breakup, about a song that a woman wants to sing who has maybe been rejected, been betrayed, all those things which, you know, what, what was she saying? I kind of wanted to know that and of course yeah. it, it is the kind of epicenter of Narnia. It builds to, the, to Donna's yeah. relationship with Sam. So I would say when it takes to all this, you know, and, and, the, and the thing about songs and then that's the journey that Benny and Bjorn take you on in that song and of course um, I think I'm right here Agnes sang that song but yeah. is 
that however sad it is and whatever emotion it takes you, you still feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It takes you on a high, even though it takes you, it takes you into, you know, big kind of explores the lower emotion and then it ends on this huge high and, uh, you know, uh, musically, I think it's genius. Yeah. I can to- totally get what she means. It's such a powerful song, isn't it? From start to yeah. finish. It does build as well, doesn't it? But from start yes. to finish, it's so powerful. It's a ball, yes. Mm. Uh, by the way, Darren, uh, what role did your friends play in Mamma Mia? Oh, do you know, I, I knew you were going to ask <laughs> me that, and I can't recall. Um, it was one of, the, one of the younger main parts. I just can't remember what she was okay. called. It. Was it she's in, <laughs> she's in her kind of early to mid twenties. So yeah. it was that kind of part. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't remember, which is really bad of me. Sorry, Steph. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so t- tell us, Danny, have you had a chance to consult with the band? I don't, either when you were writing the book or when you're in the, the sort of with the fan club side of things? Uh-huh. I have had the privilege to meet Agneta, Frida, Björn and Benny on a few occasions and have also interviewed Björn, Benny and Frida. And in some cases this was for in, uh, the fan club magazine, the official ABBA fan club magazine. Okay. And I must say they are all four very nice people, very down to earth, very Swedish. That's good. And what sort of feedback did you get from them then? Well, they, they received my books, of course, I made sure of that. And they have signed my personal copy of Let's Talk About ABBA. So that was really great, a uh, great acknowledgement. And um, it's safely stored away on the bookshelf <laughs> here at home. And, and yet I've sent a personal thank you message after receiving my second book, We All Love ABBA. So that was also very special. When I interviewed Björn in Sweden about a year ago, he told me that my book was fantastic. So what more can you expect? And so, yeah, these were really his words. And he also asked me to sign his copy. So I was quite overwhelmed when he asked me that. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. So you were the star in his eyes then at that moment in time. <laughs> well, I, I was overwhelmed. Let's keep it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And how do you, um, so how do you go about promoting yourself and the books and that sort of thing? How does that all work? Well, uh, the first book was launched at the big and uh, very important book fair in Antwerp in November two thousand thirteen. So that was a great experience, and um, yes, it was it was nice to present the. The results, my labor, my labor of love um, to the world, and it was um, a new experience for me. And the sec- for the second book, we had a, a big launch in Amsterdam with several of my interviewees who were present there. And um, the very popular Dutch girl group Love, they received the first copies on that occasion. Ah. Yeah, there were many ABBA fans and Love fans present that afternoon, and it was yeah, it was of course great signing books and um, 
meeting everyone. That's why you do it for for things, yeah. yeah, for things and meetings like that. And you just want to make people happy. Over the years, I have also attended other fan events for signing sessions. For example, at the official ABBA Day in Rosendahl in Holland. And both books got quite some attention from the press, both nationally and internationally. For a TV interview in Belgium, I was even joined by ABBA's original sax player, Oof Anderson. And you will know Oof from his sax, his solo sax on I Do, I Do, I Do, I Do. Of course. So, yeah. It was also lots of fun promoting the book. Yeah. So it's great that both books still triggered people's interest because um, I get still reactions from all over the world. So it's fantastic. That's brilliant. I always love the sax. The sax on I do, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, iconic. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned um, the Abba Day. What, what happens at Abba Day? Well, there is a, a big fair where you can buy um, new and old uh, Abba collectibles. There is mm -hmm. a, a merchandising stand of the official Abba fan club and they they sell the official merchandise and they also have interesting guests and that's something that's quite unique they yeah. um they bring over from sweden people who have worked with abba and um yes it's always a nice atmosphere and do they all come in costume no <laughs> not all but some some of the, the fans uh, are dressed up Absolutely, yes. Brilliant. Especially for the disco in the evening. Uh -huh. <laughs> That'll be a good day out. Next year, David, we'll go. <laughs> well, yeah. which wig are you going to wear? I'll be a Um. So, look. Yeah, yeah. You could come as Benny, in fact. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would be a <laughs> So sticking on kind of this this theme, the um, uh, once you've rolled out the the book and then you've been involved. I've seen photos on your website where you've been on some red carpets. You met some celebrities. Clearly, you met lots of people in in your. Um, we all love Abba, and I need to ask on behalf of friend Kath about Conchita Verst as well. She'd be interested to know uh, what Conchita was like. Oh, Conchita, she was uh, she was very sweet and. Um... She was, um, uh, well, when I met her, she was still completely in her Conchita role <laughs> because now she has also an alter ego that's more um, uh, the male side of, of um, his personality. So it's more worse now than Conchita. But when yeah. I met Conchita, she was very refined and she asked me, why did you want to interview me about ABBA? And I told her, well, first of all, I like what you're doing. And secondly, you did a, a, a nice cover with um, Dana International. They both covered as a duet Waterloo for a Eurovision celebration concert. Uh -huh. So that's why I thought, oh, maybe it would be nice to have Conchita. So we were talking about some red carpet, or oh, we're about to talk about some red carpet events, I believe, that you've attended. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Uh, it's always nice to to attend the red carpet event, of course, and um, especially thanks to my involvement with the ABBA fan club and earlier with the ABBA Intermezzo fan club, I was able to attend lots of Mamma Mia premieres and special events, such as the 50th anniversary, 50th anniversary sorry, um, of Mamma Mia in London, where Frida, Björn and Benny took to the stage. So that was a special occasion. Wow. But the absolute highlight for me was to see ABBA for the first time together on stage for a few moments at the opening of Mamma Mia! The Party in Stockholm. Yes. <laughs> it, was, yes it was the first public appearance as a foursome since the 1980s. And that was in... That happened just 2016, January 2016. So yes. How did you get to that? Emotional moment for me. Yeah, I'm sure it was. How did you get to, to go to that? Was it tickets or were you invited? No, it was through the fan club, the official ABBA fan club. They had some tickets, and uh, but it wasn't announced that all four of them would be there. And I remember there were strict rules. There were, we were not allowed to bring cameras. So that's why you won't see professional footage of uh, that special moment. You only see some pictures that are taken with iPhones and some video clips you see also filmed with uh, with mobile phones. But there is no professional. Um, there was no professional camera in in in, in the room. Brilliant. That's a special time then. Yeah. Yes, and um, right. yeah. thinking, Mamma Mia, the party is that that's coming over to London as well, isn't it? Or has been already, maybe? It's already in London at right. two. Yes, it's opposite the Super Troopers exhibition. You have Mamma Mia, the party, so that's really um, that's really expanding the Mamma Mia experience with the Greek dinner and a new story based on some of the characters of Mamma Mia. So it's it's uh, it's fun, and unfortunately it's closed for the moment. But um, hopefully it will reopen in uh, in the summer, or well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'd certainly like to go. It sounds like a really good experience. And you mentioned then um, standing the Super Troopers exhibition, which obviously you said at the O2. What's your involvement in that? Well, I was a consultant for the exhibition, so that was really exciting. And the production team found out about me thanks to my books. So yeah, it was really nice. Um, very, very nice, very professional team. So it was nice working with them. And um, had a, a great creator with Jude Kelly. And each room of the exhibition is dedicated to one of Abba's albums. And many quotes from my interviews are used throughout the exhibition in a very aesthetic fashion. So they did a great job, absolutely. Very pleased with that. And something special about uh, my involvement with those guys is that I managed to get the original drums that were used by ABBA at their Eurovision win in Brighton for the exhibition. Brilliant. 
It's quite an extraordinary story in May 2018 at a matinee performance of Bjorn and Benny's musical Chess in London at the Coliseum. I met by sheer coincidence a lovely lady. She was sitting next to me and she told me that her father, Peter Golds, a jazz drummer from Brighton, that he once possessed this iconic drum kit. And she asked me if I was interested in that because we talked about my books, etc. She was sitting next to me and and I told her, are you kidding? <laughs> of course I'm interested, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, she told me that her father's business partner personally delivered the drum kit to the Brighton Dome stage door. And he was paid 20 quid for the loan. Jeez. <laughs> And then after, uh, after that, the drum stayed in storage until my visit to its current owner, who is a family member of Peter Gold's and the first public display since Abba's victory in 1974 is at the Super Troopers exhibition. Wow. That's a real coup, isn't it, for, for them to be able to, to bring that in a bit? An extra bonus having you involved. Yeah, you were very happy with that. Absolutely, yes. So obviously we're we're in the midst of um, coronavirus uh, lockdown, so that's affected the uh, exhibition for now. Um, are, are you in discussions with them? Do they keep you abreast of um, what's happening with the show? Well, yeah, it's very sad. Um, now the exhibition is closed until the end of June. And hopefully it will reopen in July. But I don't think anybody knows at this point what will happen. Absolutely. No, hopefully it will be open soon. Yeah. And um, what's next for you, Stanley? Following this, what are you? What are you planning? Okay. Well, right now I'm working on the final volume of my ABBA trilogy. So thematically, it's a continuation of both Let's Talk About ABBA and We All Love ABBA. So I have plenty more interviews with people who have worked closely with ABBA. It will feature my encounters with the ABBA members themselves and a wide array of world-famous artists who talk about ABBA's everlasting appeal. And the book will feature... I guess more than 50 interviews and last but not least many beautiful unpublished photos and as it is my final book about ABBA I want <laughs> it to be extra special wow definitely I think that one should be called David Loves ABBA I think oh, you're too kind <laughs> yeah, we can personalise it yes yeah definitely Darren Loves ABBA David Loves ABBA yeah <laughs> Wow. Oh, wow. 
And I also want to mention um, my interview with my good friend Susie Webb, who is a fantastic singer and a songwriter. She has worked with the likes of The Who, Queen, Pavarotti, Lionel Richie, and she has written songs for Leo Sayer, with Leo Sayer and Graham Goldman. And she's in my book because she released a very original ABBA cover album. It's called Bossa Loves ABBA. And the songs are chilled out versions of ABBA classics. So you can check these songs out on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and so on. And on the album, there is one track that Susie has written herself. It's called Solitary Life. And if you listen closely, you will hear a reference to one of ABBA's most famous songs. my 
Did you? I did. I, I heard a dancing queen in there. <laughs> Is that right, Stan? Right. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Uh, what a beautiful song. I love, love her voice. Yes, she's the great singer, absolutely. So I'm very happy that she's in my book. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We were just talking about that before you joined us earlier on. She, she's got a, a quality about her voice, hasn't she? Which is uh, and, and great that you've been able to share it with us. So thank you very much for that, Stanny. Yeah, I'll certainly listen to some more. So putting uh, Abba aside just a little bit, is have you got any thoughts about any other projects that you want to work on or do you have anything that, that you're looking at at the moment of doing? Well, I'm also working on a book, something completely different, about the correspondence between my grandmother and the famous French writer Marguerite Yourcenaire. Her fame most famous novel was Memoir d'Adria or Memoirs of Adrian about the life and death of the Roman Emperor Adrian. So that's something completely different. So I will have closed my Abbot trilogy with my third book and then it's time for something else. Look forward to seeing that when that's out. When you, wait, is that something in progress now then, is it? Well, Yes, I've already started working on, on it, um, but then Abba came in between. <laughs> so now I, I first have to finish this and um, then it's time for my guitar scenario. The thing is with, with Abba, so many things were happening the last years and um, now they are going to release new songs. So. Yes, I had to do this first. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. So now I think we're we're going to move on to penultimate part of the uh, of our conversation today. Interesting to hear what you're going to nominate. This is where we like to ask our guests to nominate a record for our friend Mark to add to his uh, vinyl collection. So he's starting from scratch. He's got quite a few records in there now. Already had eight that have been put in there through the various podcasts that we've done. And I'd like to ask you if you can name uh, an album that you think that our friend Mark should have in his collection. Well, I would recommend the Emma album, The Visitors, from 1981. And it's today the last album by Abba, and it shows a different, more gloomy, a more darker side of the band. So it's a very uh, interesting album. The gloomy side is also reflected in the artwork of the album. 
by the way, it's really suited Chris, of course, who was responsible for that. And on the cover, you see all four socially distanced from each other <laughs> in one room. Yeah. The atelier of Swedish painter Julius Kronberg. So yes, that's why, also why I chose that album, because wow. of this social distance aspect, I must say. But you know, this album is very different from what ABBA did before. The whole album is synthesizer driven, and Benny's GX1 synthesizer is omnipresent. Also different is that almost all songs have lead vocals, and yet they're free to rarely sing in unison uh, on this album. So yeah. it's a departure from the typical ABBA sound. Yeah. But, yeah. but luckily it still sounds like ABBA, of course. Of course. Of course. Well, yeah. the, topics, the topics of the songs are also much more serious. The title track, for example, The Visitors, is about the fear of dissidents in the Soviet Union. And the song Soldiers is about the fear of war. Wow. Yeah. You didn't know that. <laughs> well, no, isn't this actually that one? I'm not listening to it. No. You should listen to it. Well, I, have, I had a ride with this morning. Yeah. That's the prime spark, sparkling ABBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have the visitors. Yeah, David has the visitors. I must listen to the visitors. Yeah. Yeah, it, it popped up about 10 years ago on a prog rock or it's progressive archives um so it's a site that's dedicated to prog rock and they have one section which is all about all of the music that is released and there are reviews put in by contributors who are just uh, fans the likes of you and me but there's also a separate section which is all about chats and uh, one person did ask a question would anyone consider abba to be progressive and what came out of that was they there was a few people started saying well if there is an album which is it's not progressive but it's complex it's dark as you said it's got some progressive qualities they've got all of that synth in there different themes it's it would be the visitors and it's certainly my favorite and it's oh wow that's good to hear and it's um i think more progressive than a lot of the pro program <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there's some and in fact someone did point out it had some that particular album had some similarities from the uh, Swedish prog band ACT, A-C-T. So, oh, yes, okay. So worth checking out. And I believe that was, was that their last album they released? That was their last studio album. After that, they released the singles. And that was like a compilation album. And it had two new tracks. It had The right. Day Before You Came, also a fantastic song, and Under Attack. And... Um, the visitors was also, of course, made at a at a <laughs> moment when both marriages when the Naba had come to an end, and this was reflected in the songs, and you hear it clearly in, in songs as one of us, and especially in when when all is said and done, and this song was triggered by Benny and Frida's divorce. That's really a truly, truly, truly great vocal by Frida. Yeah, you can say it's the equivalent to The Winner Takes It All, which has, of course, a fantastic lead vocal by Agneta. And that, as you probably know, that song was triggered by Bjorn <laughs> and Agneta's divorce. 
I think when all is said and done, should have been a single in the UK. It only got a limited release. It was uh, a top 30 hit in the US, though. Right. Yeah. And then also on, on the visitors, there is a song called I Let the Music Speak. And that song sounds as it comes straight out of a musical. Mm. And it's, it's like an indication of Bjorn and Dennis' ambition in that direction. Mm. Wow. And do you think, Stanley, I mean, this is a really difficult question, but do you think there's ever any chance that we'll see some kind of new ABBA album in the future at any point, in your opinion? I don't know if there will be a new album, but I know there are new songs that were yeah. recorded. So they yeah. have recorded several new songs. And Bjorn has told me that the first new song uh, will be released this year. Wow, excellent. Yeah. That's one to look out for. Yes. And apparently some of the new songs are amongst the best songs they have ever recorded. So that's what, what their engineer told me, and it was confirmed by Bjorn himself. Cool. Wow, brilliant. Can't wait. Excellent. Okay. David, is that... I think I think we're close to the end, um, but but before we say goodbye, Stanley, what we'd like to do is to, to give any plugs that you'd like to about um, your your material or your websites. All right. So I have a website, and it's um, well, maybe it's well, it's a bit difficult. It's <laughs> it's called StanleyVanWijmeersch.com. Shall I spell it or? We're, we're, what we'll do is we'll type it into the show notes. All books are available at Amazon. UK and also online at the ABBA fan club shop and I have also an Instagram page called We All Love ABBA and a Facebook page called We All Love ABBA so you can find all the latest news about my books on uh, these social media as well Stanley I'd like to thank you ever so much that was a very uh, informative and interesting and enjoyable hour and a bit that we've just had discovered more things about about ABBA than we knew beforehand but also about your your passion your love for them it's great to be able to combine everything together thank you it was great being part of this yeah thank you you very much happy Eurovision day until next time see you next time bye-bye bye-bye bye-bye